0: Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower. We deeply appreciate all of you who watch our Sunday live stream worship service. We long for the day when we can gather again safely in this space. In the meantime, we celebrate our community and how we can be virtually connected. I am Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and I'm honored to serve as Mayflower's interim associate pastor. This morning, our interim senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Jonathan White, is here with me, as well as our musical director, Julia Brown, and our cantor, Brennan Cardis. We are also delighted to have Oboist Ellen Sherman from the Grand Rapids Symphony playing for us today. We continue always to be grateful for Pat McGuire, who is our technical director and ensures their live stream is working. November is Stewardship Month here at Mayflower. In these unusual days, we are incredibly grateful for the ways in which God is providing for the needs of our community. Our Vice Moderator, Susan Jones, is here to share an announcement. Welcome, Susan.
1: Thank you, Ruth. Good morning. As Ruth said... I'm Susan Jones, and I'm your vice moderator and personnel chairperson on this year's Mayflower Church Council. I have a short stewardship message for you today. We pray that those who are able will continue to give their 2020 tithe in support of Mayflower and do the same in 2021. Our stewardship chair, Ken Goodson, calls this holding serve. Now, if like me, you are not a tennis player, here's what that means. Holding serve means win the game you're playing, and that's what we're trying to do for our church. Please continue to help Mayflower get through 2020 by keeping your promise to the church and fulfilling your pledge commitments for this year. We do know that some of you are experiencing added stress and strain from unemployment or reduced income, due to the COVID crisis. If this is the case, we do ask that you take a sabbatical from giving this year. Our current expenses run a little under $19,000 a week, or about $985,000 a year. That includes our current staff, building, and church programs, with reductions made by council, including an outreach reduction from 15% to 3.5%. Long-term, Council wants to make sure Mayflower survives to continue to serve others in need through Christian outreach. It is only with your support that we can return this loss and increase this percentage, allowing our church the ability to reach out and help others now and in the future. In addition, please continue to help Mayflower in the remaining days of 2020 by keeping your personal financial promise to the church and fulfill your pledge commitment for the year. I join our Stewardship Chair, Ken Goodson, then in asking all of us to prayerfully consider helping Mayflower hold serve with our commitments for 2021. Pledge cards will be out in the mail the week of the 16th, and Ken will talk more about that next week. In the meantime, you may pledge online. I did that this week, and it's the easiest way to get this done. So if you want to do that, just go to mayflowerchurch.org, and in the upper right corner you'll see three horizontal lines – It's right beside the search box. Pull that down and click support, and then click 2021 Annual Stewardship Pledge Form and make your pledge. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Susan. Next week, as Susan mentioned, Ken Goodson, Chair of the Stewardship Committee, will be here, and Steve Waltman, a member of the Pastoral Search Committee. They will each be here with special updates. On a sad note, Fred Kistler passed away on Tuesday after contracting COVID. Please remember Fran and the Kistler family in your prayers. I would now like to invite Dr. Julia Brown to tell us more about the music we will be experiencing this morning.
2: to say a word about the text for the Bach Aria that you will hear after the sermon. This comes from Cantata number 48, which was written in 1723. And the text is based on Ephesians and on Romans that say, put on a new man, or a new self, or a true self. And talking about living a better, more, more, fruitful life. And in this aria, you have equal partners with oboe and alto, and I'm so happy to have here today Ellen Sherman, who you just heard playing the Debussy Prelude, and Brennan Cartis. And Ellen, you will hear again on December 1st. Uh, this week, we began our publicity for Grand Rapids Symphony Orchestra virtual concert here at Mayflower in our sanctuary. Um, this will be a chamber program because of COVID, smaller groups and smaller places, different places. Um, there will be, I believe, eight of them on December 1st, 7 p.m. This will not be available after for streaming, so you do have to sign in at that time. And we'll continue sending out information about that in the next few weeks. Um, the other uh, very exciting music piece that our, our own choirs have been working on is our Christmas Cantata, which will be virtual this year. Uh, a Mall in the Night Visitors by Giancarlo Menotti. And uh, our singers uh, have been working. Actually, we've been recording since early October. This is a huge monumental project which will all come together on... Uh, December 13th it's a Sunday morning at 10 30 during worship so we have pictures out about um, showing how our recordings have been going and we'll continue giving you updates throughout the next few weeks.
0: In the spirit of gratitude and rejoicing I have two events to announce. Amy Conway is hosting Mom's Night Out tomorrow night, outside, and the 49 Up group is hosting a Zoom pre-Thanksgiving happy hour on November 21 from 5 to 6. And on Thanksgiving Day, the plan is to share our gratitude with a brief outdoor service featuring drummers, pumpkin bread, and outreach giving opportunities with Mel Trotter and the Salvation Army. Please see our website for details on all of these events. Now, let us begin our time of worship. Pray with me. Holy Lord, we adore you. We seek to be joyful and we seek to spread that joy. But we come before you admitting that these are hard days. The confusion and division that has rippled across our national landscape has made us tired. We are living through an unprecedented pandemic. As we enter the season of gratitude, our hearts are heavy. Yet we acknowledge your provision. Thank you for caring for us, for loving us, for assuring us that you are God and we are not. All praise, glory, and honor is yours. Amen. Our first two scripture readings can be found in the books of Joshua and Amos. Joshua 24, 1-3, 14-15. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amos 5, verses 18 through 24. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall, and it was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness? Not light and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your festivals. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Rejoice me, rejoice re-
0: Our third scripture reading can be found in Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
4: Let us pray. Holy One. Open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your truth. Give us the will and wisdom to follow your truth. Amen. A few months ago, when Mark and Lynn were here, they were both gone a particular Sunday, and I was preaching. I preached on this text, uh, the bridesmaids. And my theme was that five bridesmaids knew the way in. Five bridesmaids didn't. They had to find their own doors. It wasn't that they were excluded from the banquet. They could not go on somebody else's spiritual path. They had to go on their own spiritual path. Today I would like to talk about not the doors to get into the banquet, but the banquet itself. Where is Jesus asking us to go? To start, I'd like to use uh, two terms that Thomas Merton used. The false self and the true self. What is the false self? The false self is our ego. It is the projection of what we think we are. It is our accomplishments. It is the things that we've gathered in life. It is the pride we carry. It is our symbol of success. That fades away. Some people don't realize it until they're dying. And it comes to them wow, everything that I thought was important wasn't important. The false self dies. But the false self can die sooner if we are willing to take the step. Merton says that the true self is the inner self. It is the Christ within us. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I am in you and you are in me. The clear expectation, the Christ is inside us. It is our divine self. It is our holy self. It is our God self. It is God in us. Paul says in Ephesians that Christ lives inside us. In uh, Philippians, he says that it is no longer I who live, but it's the Christ inside me. That is our true self. Teresa of Avila puts it another way, 16th century nun. She says, God loves your soul. God is in your soul. She asks us, when we pray, to go into our soul. And she says, think of the soul as a magnificent diamond with many, many mansions. And on the outside, you can see a glow. In the outer rooms, you can see a glow in the center. That center is God because your soul is a part of God. Teresa says in deep prayer, we can move closer and closer and closer. And if God gives us the gift we can even get to the deepest part of our soul and see that we are divine. And the divinity in us will unite with the great divinity outside. We'll see that it's all one. As we sing, one bread, one body, one Lord of all, we become one with God, one with humanity, one with the cosmic Christ. It's all one cosmos. And we're part of it. We are divinely part of it. That is the true self. It's available to our species. God has given us the gift of self-reflection so that we can understand it's not the outer accoutrements that define us it is the holiness inside us pythagoras understood this he didn't express it in christian terms he expressed it in mathematical terms we know him for the theorem we know him for the way he balanced the planets through through math but pythagoras also believed in contemplation and he he focused on numbers because he thought they were pure. They took him to points of utter happiness where he realized that he was one with the perfect. Plato suggests the same thing. He expresses it differently. Plato talks about the ideal, and the ideal is one thing. It it brings all things together. It is not simply a God that is good, although he didn't mean the Christian God. It is goodness itself, all wrapped in the unity of one. When we give up all of the things that we think we are, we move from lower levels of logic to pure logic. And there is divinity there. It is no wonder that Augustine was taken so with Neoplatonism. When Plotinus was writing and resurrecting the ideas of Plato, Augustine latched on to those ideas and expressed them in Christian terms. It is a true self, a Christ self, a God self. We look at the world completely differently when we come to that realization. I've had the privilege of reading an autobiography of one of our members, a member who has passed away. This man was extremely accomplished. He had done great things in his life. He had saved many lives with the skilled hands of surgery. If anybody had a right to be proud, if anybody had a right to exist in their ego, if anybody had a right to say, this is me, it was that parishioner. But in his autobiography, it is so refreshing. That's not... What he writes about. What he writes about is discovering himself. What he truly was. Who his family truly was. And what he is now. As he is united with God. A true self the Christ inside us, our God-Self. When we think about the passage in Joshua, we think on the surface that it's the one God, it's the right God, it's the God we should worship and choose who you are going to worship. Oh my, in the church we can deal with that text. This is the truth, and we know it. Thank goodness the Congregationalists at Mayflower know what God is. I don't know about the Baptist, right? But the Congregationalists know. That's not the nature of religious language. Religious language is mystical. Religious language is contemplative. Religious language is the soul. It deals with symbols. It deals with hidden meanings. That's why Jesus spoke in parables. What is the writer of Joshua trying to get us to see? In the past, you served these gods silver, gold, your harvest the number of cattle you had, your standing in the community, your ego. But we've crossed the river. Choose for yourself who will you serve, those gods or the God that is inside you. As for me and my house, We will choose the Lord. Amos makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We want to read the happy stories of the New Testament, skipping over some of the scary stories of the New Testament. Amos doesn't let us do that. Now, let's place Amos in historical perspective. Last week, you may remember that the kingdom split after the reign of Solomon. The northern kingdom of Israel, with its capital Samaria, was ruled by one of Solomon's sons, the southern kingdom by another one. By the early eighth, of the, um, early eighth century BC, a king named Jeroboam II was ruling in Samaria. And the people of Judah, with its capital Jerusalem and its king Uzziah, didn't care too much for the Israelites. They were expanding because the Assyrians were out of shape and they weren't ruling as they once had. That would change about 50 years later with Tiglathpileser. pileser But at this point, Assyria is not ascending. Israel is asserting itself. Israel is getting the silver, the gold, the land. And Jeroboam is living the life of Riley. And so are the nobles. They are doing that at the expense of the peasants. Amos comes in, and he starts pointing his finger at Israel. The people of Judah love that. Then he points at Damascus and says, it's the same thing. The people of Judah like that. Then he points to the other neighbors around Judah and saying, you're all doing that. And the people of Judah rejoice. And then Amos, a shepherd about ten miles south of Jerusalem. Then Amos points at Jerusalem and the people of Judah. Judah. And he says, you're doing the same thing. You've all created false gods. Don't come to God with your festivals. Don't come to God with your burnt offerings. Don't come to God with your rhetoric. God says, I will not listen to that. What does God want? Justice and mercy. Look at the poor among you. They have divinity inside them just as you have divinity inside you. Look at them a new way. Care for them. Treat them properly. They're part of me too. When we get to Jesus' parable, we see that five bridesmaids have not quite realized what the festival is. They think it's a festival where you celebrate the outer life. Jesus says, you can't get in that way. I don't know that. Look inside. The festival is in your heart. The festival is your Christ self. As my dear friend Marsheen Reinstra writes, Come to the feast. She says it so well. Simply see who you really are. Richard Rohr points out that we have a verse, we read it a couple of weeks ago, a verse that is so misunderstood and so mi- mistranslated. It says, Many are called and few are chosen. Rohr says, The way to think about that verse and a better translation is many are called, few choose to accept. When we see who we really are, when we see the great I Am that spoke to Moses, we realize that a spark Of I am is in us. And we can say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, I am. We are divided land. We just had an election that seemed to last forever. Seventy-four million people are happy. Seventy million are not. Why is that? We're not looking at who we really are. West Granberg-Michelson, former leader of the Reformed Church in America, wrote a devotion this week. He began by saying, quoting a French poet, saying, everything begins in politics and ends in mysticism. West writes, no, let's think about that another way. West says, usually, however, we get it backwards. Our temptation is to begin with politics and then try to figure out how religion can fit into it. We start with the accepted parameters of political debate and whether we can find ourselves on the left or right. We use religion to justify and bolster our existing commitments. But what if we take the inward journey as our starting point? What if we recognize that our engagement in politics should be rooted in our participation in the Trinitarian flow of God's love? Then everything changes. We are no longer guided or constrained by what we think is politically possible, but we are compelled to know what is most real. At the heart of all creation, the mutual love within the Trinity overflows to embrace all of life. We are invited to participate in the transforming power of this love. There we discover the ground of our being, the centering of all life and action. Marshine says, "Come to the feast." West says, "Start with your heart, then look at politics. Remember who you really are." The banquet is a metaphor. The feast is a metaphor. When the false self dies, the true self can be born. And it can be born not just once, but hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. We don't have to wait until our final breaths to see what is happening. We can be what we really are. We are part of the cosmos. The cosmos that loves us. The cosmos that is inside of us. The elements inside of us are in the most distant stars. It's all one. It's all God. It's all based in love. Standing on a Kentucky street corner, Merton looked at the crowd around him one day and realized his soul was consumed with God and everyone else had a soul that was consumed the same way he decided that he had no choice but to love everyone and everything that he saw. When the false self dies, the true self emerges. Here I am, Lord. This is me, the part of me that you cannot stop loving. In the name of the Creator the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Gratitude and joy, we have the opportunity to give. Your gifts, tithes, and offerings are a blessing. Holy One, in these times of struggle, we praise you. Help us to continually hold this posture of praise as we give and as we sacrifice. May our efforts bring you glory, and may our hearts be transformed. Amen. Morning, as we prepare for our time of congregational prayer, let us quiet our spirits to receive what God has for us. We'll be singing a new prayer response this morning, and the words are God be in our thinking always as a guide, God be in our yearning, high and deep and wide, God be in our caring with us intertwined, as we grow to love you, heart, soul, and mind. Let us pray. Holy God, we gather far and near to seek you together this morning. Be with us, lead us, direct us to our true selves. Lord, help us grow to love you, heart, soul, and mind. As Jonathan taught this morning, there is a divine banquet that we are all invited to. We have such a tremendous opportunity to be born again every minute and every hour, to see you more clearly, and to love you more dearly. We are constantly being prompted to step away from the false gods the world has to offer and to cling to you the one true and loving God. In you, we find our true and best selves. In you, we find wholeness. And today, we live in what feels like chaos, surrounded by pandemic and political strife, confusion, division, false narratives and uncertainty. Remind us, Lord, that our hope rests in you. You are not wobbly or uncertain, Scripture tells us you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let your peace that passes understanding reside within us today like never before. We pray for those suffering from COVID and the destructive path it is traveling. And this morning we lift up the Kistler family to you. May your peace and love comfort them in this time of grief. We pray for those in our congregation who have lost loved ones and those facing struggles of all kinds. And Lord, we lift up every name and every story listed on our prayer chain. Today we seek your comfort, your peace, and of course your clarity. And as we journey forward in faith, help us to be transformed. And now, in one spirit and one voice, we pray from the depths of our hearts the prayer you modeled for us. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
4: When the tempter came to Jesus, Jesus knew who and what he was, what Jesus was, the true self. We emphasize Jesus' divinity, and we say Jesus is God, but that doesn't capture the whole. Jesus was fully human, And he realized the God inside of himself. Christ was not his last name. Christ is what he was. The tempter said, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. They can all be yours. All glory, honor, and power on earth if you worship me. And Jesus said, I am so whether you're on top of the world or the world is on top of you remember the spark inside you your true self is the spark of God and it can unite with God now if you choose.